Welcome to Leading from Alignment, a weekly podcast from Converge Coaching, where our passion is to help you lead better, lead longer, and enjoy it more. Hello and welcome again to another episode of Leading from Alignment with our good friend, John Opaluski. How are you today, John? Jim, I'm doing really good. It's uh, exciting to be here with you today, uh, recording pod 82. 82. I hope I lived that long. 82. Awesome. We are excited about our guest today. So without any further ado, would you uh, would you introduce our guest today? Yeah, Jim, we are so delighted to have Brian Pruitt with us. Uh, Brian, uh, I've known of Brian for many, many years uh, because of uh, a coaching relationship he had with my older brother um, and just have watched from a distance how God has uh, used Brian powerfully on a lot of different platforms and, uh, and just wanted him to come and join the podcast because he has a great story. Yeah. And uh, we want to talk uh, today about discipleship. And uh, uh, Brian will, will kind of explain where he's at in his new role. But uh, yeah, Brian, welcome to the podcast. We're so glad to have you. Hello, gentlemen. It's good to be with you both. I'm excited to be on, uh, on the podcast with you today. I'll bet your story has something to do with athletics, because I was wondering a moment ago, for those that are listening, you didn't see it, but those who are watching, I, I was wondering why he had a watch on his leg, and I realized that's not his leg, that's that's his arm, that's his arm, so. <laughs> yeah, that's my arm, that's my. <laughs> so, Brian, tell us, tell us, I mean, John's alluded to your story, I've heard bits and pieces, give us, give us the five-minute version, where'd you come from, how did you find your way here? Uh, born and raised in the city of Saginaw, uh, I come from four generations of physical abuse in a, in a, to the extent that, um, uh, uh, let me say domestic violence, um, to the extent my grandmother was murdered by my grandfather. Um, by the time I was a senior in high school, I was one of the top recruits in the, in the state of Michigan for football. Uh, I was a three-sport three star who was broken. Uh, and was afraid that I was going to be the fifth generation of angry men in my family to to ruin the to ruin my family. Uh, I meet an 18 year old, 17 year old boy at my high school, Arthur Hill High School, who tells me about Jesus. That's the day I decide I, I want to take my life, and uh, I end up at Saginaw First Assembly of God on a Wednesday night, and I give my life to Christ there. And the Jesus that 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 17 year old boy told me about changed the legacy of my family. And uh, I'm 40, 48, 48, 49 years of age now, I can't remember. <laughs> uh, and, and here I am, and I'm, I'm tremendously grateful to God uh, for the journey and the story, because this, this story could be going a totally different way. Right. But, but Jesus is awesome. Right on. Yeah. Right, you know, you know, I'm, I'm 49 as well. I just celebrated my sixth anniversary of being 49. <laughs> there you go. There you go. <laughs> I tell people I'm 70 to make myself look better. <laughs> I got to try that. That's a that's a great idea. Yeah. Um, so, Brian, how did you sense the call into leadership, into ministry? Can you kind of give us a, the story? Of, we're always interested to hear how, how not only how God uh, in, 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 enters into your life, and, and that's yeah. so amazing, but also... What did, you know, what did he, how did he call you to ministry? How did that happen? I, John, I had always had some sense that God was calling me to ministry. Interesting enough, 
uh, even when I was playing college football and was the second, the nation's second leading rusher, I was an All-American, um, there was this conflict on the inside of me. <laughs> and, the, and the conflict was um, there was this, this, this desire to play professional football, and yet there was this desire to do ministry. And at some point, I had to realize that my ministry was I, I was on the field at that point in time. But I also knew that there was going to be a different setting for that. Uh, God began to open the doors as an athlete and required me to be responsible to use that athletic stage to present the gospel of Jesus Christ, that that was my stage for that moment and that I needed to use it responsibly and present the gospel of Jesus Christ. Uh, he opened a lot of doors over the years because of that. And uh, by the grace of God, I was able to uh, you know, keep my head on right in the midst of that world and present Jesus Christ and, and, and live the truth before people. So. That's so neat. You know, it's fascinating, you know, that um, we know that God can use us wherever, wherever we are, right? Whether we're a professional athlete, we are a carpenter, or, you know, we're in pastoral ministry. And it's just, it's fascinating to me to listen, Brian, to um, people tell us about their call, because I, I believe this, I believe our calling is somewhat fixed, you know, but the assignments within our calling they change over time. Um, you know, I came out of, I came out of college, went right into pastoral ministry as a youth pastor mm -hmm. and uh, 15 years into pastoral ministry and then went into the corporate world uh, for mm -hmm. uh, about uh, 20 years. And interestingly enough, I found that that pastoral calling was still finding expression even in the, in the corporate world, except I was pastoring people who didn't know Jesus that's right. Yeah. That is right. Um, that, that's funny because that's kind of where my world is at right now, um, between the church and corporate America. And uh, and I, I literally almost served John S. And some companies, they call me the, the company pastor or the company coach. And all I'm really doing is pastoring people who, who wouldn't necessarily call me a pastor um, or walk into a church, but it's leadership training and loving on people. You know, and so I spend a lot of time in corporate right now training leaders. Yeah, that's awesome, man. I love it. Now, speaking of what you're doing now, there's also a, a new assignment in your life. I understand that you have taken on a, a a pastoral position, not just the pastoral calling. What's what's that all about? What are you doing? Yeah, that that was something for years. I, I think I almost tried to run from, <laughs> but but you know, it was it was something that I and only because I highly respected it. Okay. Yeah. I Respected it, respected what pastors did, and um, uh, over the years, God has really moved me uh, to to submit and surrender to that call. And so now I'm serving as the discipleship and outreach minister at uh, the church that it all started at for me. I my life to Christ there at that altar. I I got married there at that altar, and uh, I had my experiences, uh, life changing experiences. And late night prayer in my car, sitting in the parking lot, at three o'clock in the morning at Saginaw First Assembly of God. And so it's an interesting thing that God would bring me full circle back to that place. And it's, uh, it's been a great honor serving there under uh, Pastor Kurt and Tony Lee as well. Colors. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So what, what are you doing there? What's your what's your official, you know, delegated role? What do you think? Yeah. Our responsibility, I'm over discipleship and outreach and uh, 
excited about what God is doing. Of course, some of those things right now are because of the world we live in and with COVID and those things like that. You know, there's some stipulations and some obstacles, but uh, but God's still God and people are still people. People still need Jesus. So there's a way to reach people still. Yes, there is. Yeah, there is. I, I think as much or more so, you just have to be a little bit creative, right? The, yeah. the, the ways of let's gather everybody together and break bricks with our head. You, you can't be proud now, but you know, there's truckers and truck stop and there's people that need to be fed at the nursing home and there's, you know, the ERs and COVID units and plenty, plenty of people that need care and, and outreach right now in there. That's right. That's right. Love it. You know, you know, Brian, uh, the discipleship aspect of what you're, you're doing is very interesting to Jim and I. Um, one of the things that we noticed, and I think, and I think anybody who is paying attention would have noticed in the last 13 or 14 months was this, it was almost stunning, a display of immaturity among Christians yeah. uh, as a result of uh, the, uh, the pandemic, uh, the, um, the racial unrest in our country, the election, uh, you name it. We had, we had a lot of major events, life events happened in the last 13 to 14 months. And it was, and it was stunning. And I guess it wasn't stunning in a way that uh, the behavior of many Christians was disappointing. Um, you know, what's your perspective, Brian, on, first of all, you know, how the church is doing in general, Church Big C in this, in this most important area. And then I think we'll have some follow-up questions to that. Yeah, um, I, I think, let me answer that in twofold. Um, number one, how did we do in the midst of it? Um, we didn't do all that well. Um, we allowed ourselves to be pulled into, uh, we forgot who we were. Right. We forgot that we are about kingdom uh, and that we are to advance the kingdom of God. Uh, we allowed ourselves, we forgot to learn to have empathy, compassion for our brothers. Yeah. And so we, we, we became afraid. So we became silent. Mm. And truth is, is the church doesn't want to hear that. We don't want to hear that there was some fear involved in our silence. Yeah. We want to be seen one way or the other. But if I could, as just a brother of Christ, that's what we did. We, we were afraid. So we became silent. And, and hopes that um, the, the, that that life would blow all this by and then we could come back out and have a voice. If we're not careful, what will happen is the fact that we chose to be silent in the midst of a storm, thinking that we would have a louder voice when the storm was over. Mm-hmm. What would possibly happen if we're not careful is once the storm is blown over, the world will decide your voice is now silent. Mm-hmm. Your voice is now silent. And so um, uh, we, we struggled in the midst of that. If we're honest as the body of Christ, we struggled. And we need to admit that. And if we don't admit that, then we are bound to do this again. It, um, it, 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 just if I could interject real quick, I, I think that we part of the reason we were silent is because we were afraid of being grouped in with those who weren't silent but weren't representing well. Yeah, yeah. And I, I think um, that would be a perfect explanation for it. You know, um, there was so many gaps and it was almost confusion. It was confusion and chaos. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I also believe 
that we have waited for this moment all our lives. We've preached every Sunday. And then when it showed up, we it was almost like we didn't know what to do. And the world was expecting us to know what to do, um, or at least to have a voice. And so um, this time will blow over, the storm will pass, but I think it'll be very important for us as a body of Christ to not assume that just because the storm has passed, that the wounds have healed. Mm-hmm. Wow. We've, we've got some healing to do. We've got some conversations that need to be had. And I know we would all love to move past all of this, but but if we just try to act like it didn't happen and you know we can move on with our lives now, in the next five to 10 years, the church will pay for the fact that we didn't address these things. Mm-hmm. Now, when you say these things, you know, John mentioned several scenarios, several things were causing tension and and then the silence. What let's, let's go get in our time machines and go back in time. You know what yeah. I mean? And not and not what should we have said from the pulpit? What what should the body of Christ have been saying during that time? Because maybe, maybe it's not too late to start in, in our repentance to say yeah. what I should have said was. What, what are your thoughts on that? Uh body of Christ um should have spoken against injustice. Mm-hmm. Body of Christ should have been, we should have been repentive uh, in regards to roles we may have played in permeating thoughts and ideas in society. And I want to talk about that from the idea of, of when I say the body of Christ, I don't want, I don't want my Caucasian brothers to assume I'm speaking specifically of them. No. I think as a whole, all cultures within the body of Christ, we played a role in this chaos. Mm-hmm. And, and we, we, we fueled some things and we responded in ways um, and, and we needed to have conversations that we were just scared to have. And, 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 and you say, how does this turn into discipleship? What it tells you is there was information, things, lifestyles, principles, morals, values that somewhere it exposed we weren't holding on that tight to. Okay. Um, because in some ways we dropped our faith for many other things right. in the last, in the last 12 years, in the last 12 months, we, we put our faith down for yeah. several other things and yeah. we, for, we forgot the major thing to love, yeah. to love. And at the end, discipleship for Christ, it was all about, um, loving. It was about loving people. I can't win, I can't disciple you and I can't win you to Christ if you don't even believe I care. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So good. We had a young man that spoke at our church the other day and uh, I asked him to come in and, and you know, I'm, I, like I said, I'm 55, he's 30. And oh. believe it or not, in those 25 years, there's a completely different perspective. That's said, right. Come in. I want you to be courageous. I want you to speak to older people gently, but I don't want you to, that doesn't mean you can't be honest. So yeah. be honest. Yeah. And one of one of his opening statements was, "Heaven will not look like a Trump rally, and heaven will not look like a Biden rally. Heaven That's will look right. like a Jesus rally." And and it was funny. Some people clapped, some people frowned, some people. I thought, you know, this kid's preaching his heart, and he's saying to fathers gently, "Would you would you please just stop? Would you please yeah. just stop?" And I and it wasn't like you're wrong. It's like you're breaking my heart because yeah. I respect you, and then you say things. That, yeah. that that would just say this that 
some some affiliation with some group, some party, some person. It's higher than Jesus. And when you do that, it breaks my heart because I wanted to be like you. And then you disappointed me but because who your, who your president or party or skin color, whatever it was, all of a sudden was preeminent to who your king was. And I always thought Jesus was your king. That's why I dug you. And That's now good. Jesus isn't your king. He's pushed aside because it's, it's these other things. And I, 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 he killed it. He really did. You could hear a pin drop. Men were crying. You know, women were clapping. Yes, I wish my husband would shut up. Thank you for being on, you know. <laughs> <laughs> and and we lost half our congregation, but it was really no. I'm kidding. We, everybody came back the next week, you know. But just like you're saying, that honesty, like he, his. I think of an authoritative person came and said, "You're all wrong." But a kid came in and said, "Can I question whether or not this is right? Would you allow me to say, from my perspective, how my heart is broken from watching your tweets and your social media things and your your conversations in the foyer of the church? I, I keep hearing something that Jesus just wouldn't say. Would you? Can we please?" talk about what Jesus would talk about. And, and if we haven't, can we please publicly, as publicly as we'd sinned, can we publicly repent of our mm -hmm. sin? Is that, is that kind of what you're talking about? Yeah, yeah that's beautiful. Yeah, that's absolutely beautiful. Yeah. So Brian, uh, we're getting toward the uh, time here. I wanted to ask you one question about, you said something that really impacted me, a lot of things, but this one really stood out. You, you said that just because the storm has passed don't, doesn't mean the wounds have healed. Yeah. In a, in a minute or two, what what are some steps that we could take for, that would promote healing mm -hmm. uh, from your perspective? Yeah, I, I think um, as much as we're tired of having conversations, we, we still need to have conversations within the body of Christ. Um, healing will come from that. Will there be conflict from it? Sure, there will. Okay, mm -hmm. that's sharpening iron. When the iron does that, flames fly. <laughs> right. So, and it's okay. We need to know that it's okay. It's even okay if you walk away and you agree to disagree, but, but you'll never get to a place of healing until there's a conversation and, and you can see somebody's head do this. Right. Yeah. You know why? Because what this says non-verbally, I understand. I yeah. get you. that makes sense to me. And right now there's, we, we need to remember within the body of Christ, there's a difference between listening to and a different than being heard. Okay. And so um, sometimes we, we, we just have to remember that the conversation still needs to be had. Let's not assume that because we're not talking about it, that it's not there. And, and what we saw is we weren't talking about these things. And then when the pot started to boil, we found out how much of it was actually there. Yeah. yeah. So we got to keep talking and, and be understanding. But then after that, we got to come to a place of forgiveness amongst each other there was there were said there were things done there are things right now that some of us wish we could take back i'm sure <laughs> you know there was a, a lot of words put in the air in the last 12 months you know um there are perspectives that are probably changed in the last 12 months but but at the end of the day we we need to remember that the greatest of these faith hope and love but the greatest of these is love well you know i we're scratching the surface of something important and our, like John is saying, our time has evaporated. Would you be willing to stick around for another one and I, and unpack this a little bit more with us? I, I would love to. Great. Great. I'm going to go lift some weights between now and then. So I feel a little, a little beefier. You know? <laughs> Let me go push-ups too. I want to make sure I look good. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I, the only thing I feel good about is I have more hair than you guys. Other than that, I, I, I feel I, I, totally. <laughs> yeah, I'm going on here. <laughs> 
Yeah. Well, and what I'd like to come back to is you're, you are leading people to Jesus and discipling them. That's your responsibility. And I, and I think this calls for not just indoctrination of doctrine, but there's a cultural, we need, we need fathers to teach us how to be sons and daughters, right? Yeah. We, we, so I, that's what I like to come back to and, and really talk about. So if, if Sunday school and curriculum and just reading our Bible and one perspective wasn't enough, what are you doing now to make sure the next time the water boils, what, what, what it smells like is not garbage boiling in the kitchen, but you know, wow. something, something better. So in the meantime, uh, wow, John, how do you end something like this? I'm not really sure, Jim. You're the host. Go ahead, brother. Okay, all right. Wrap it up. Well, thank you, everybody who has joined us today. I hope that these thoughts have been challenging. you got a week to kind of come up with your own answers, don't you? What are, what are you going to do differently? So the next time, you know, something happens as has happened in the last year, and it will. Uh, these are birth pains. The birth pains get the closer and more severe before the, before the baby comes. So Jesus said that there will be all these things happening, and they'll get worse. They'll... Yeah. They'll get closer and harder. So if we don't get it right now, you may look at 2020 and say, that's the hardest it'll ever be. I, I'm telling you, it's not the hardest it'll ever be. It's harder than it has been, but it's not as hard as it's going to be. Mm-hmm. And so there is a need for a, a model of discipleship where what Brian has said, Pastor Brian has said, is, is love needs to be central to this yeah. thing. Mercy yeah. needs to be central. Listening needs to be central. And, uh, and, and again, hearing, actually being heard. So I look forward to that podcast coming again soon. In the meantime, John, if somebody's wrestling with just life in general, with pastoring, with leadership, what's the best way to get a hold of you and continue a conversation? Yeah, Jim, the best way is to go to our website, convergecoach.com, and click on the contact us link, and that starts the conversation with us. Absolutely free, right? Just That's a, right. A half hour to sit and have a conversation with, with somebody who's going to be a good friend and be heard. So God bless you, our listeners. Thanks so much, Brian. Thank you for your insights and wisdom with us today. And we look forward to uh, talking to you again soon as we all continue to lead from the line.